Welcome to the third season of the For Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Wilcoxon, and one of the lay elders here at Redemption Church Gateway. This season, we're going to be talking about work, careers, taking our faith into the marketplace, and some practical advice. This episode is about engineering. In 2018, 393 institutions in the United States awarded at least one engineering degree at the bachelor's master's, and doctoral level. The three engineering disciplines producing the most degrees were mechanical, computer science inside of engineering, and electrical engineering. Some studies report there's a shortage of engineers that could affect future infrastructure projects, new airports, schools, hospitals, power and water systems, along with projects in robotics, renewable energy, and 6G networks. According to the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, there were approximately 2 million engineers, 700,000 engineering technicians and technologists, and 4.1 million computation professionals in the U.S. workforce in 2018. Today, we're going to talk to two of them. I'm excited to be talking today to Trevor Newland and James Parks. Thank you both for your time. Thank you. Thank you. All right, a bit of background. Trevor, we're going to start with you. Tell us about your family. Tell us about where you work and how long you've been been attending Redemption Church Gateway. Okay, I am uh, married to uh, Janie. Um, I'm a Brit and my wife is a a Scottish Brit. Um, And uh, I have three kids all born in Scotland, so that makes them Scots. Um, uh, We've been living here for uh, 20 two years, I think now. And um, uh, we've been in Arizona for just over three years. And we've been part of redemption for about that time. Mm. And do all so, of your kids still live in Scotland or they live here? In no, the, the um, uh, one lives in New York. Um, another one lives in Mississippi and uh, uh, another in uh, California. So kind of really spread. <laughs> Oh, wow. So, and I think your wife travels quite a bit to see the kids. Uh, yes. In fact, right now she is uh, uh, with my daughter in California. Oh, that's great. Our daughter. <laughs> uh, James. Yes, I'm married and my wife's name's Rebecca and we have two daughters, uh, Rachel and Mia. We've uh, lived in Arizona now uh, roughly a year and um, been at Redemption about the same amount of time. We began there in May of last year, so... Excited to be here. Nice. Well, James, let's start with you. Uh, So where did you used to work in there, where you currently work? And kind of tell us about your role. Sure. I worked um, coming from Indiana, uh, Lafayette, 30 years, uh, retired from Subaru uh, manufacturing facility there. Uh, My role there uh, when I left was administrative uh, supervisor in the stamping department. Um, There was various hats I wore on a daily basis from safety, environmental, Um, budgeting and manning. Uh, So many opportunities there. And now I currently work uh, for Lucid Motors in Casa Grande, a new startup EV company. Uh, The role I uh, have there currently is a training specialist. An EV electrical vehicle, correct? Correct. Yes. All right, Trevor, where do you work and or where have you worked also? Okay, so I've been in the semiconductor industry for most of my career. which has had its ups and downs. And uh, as a result, I've had to move quite a bit. Um, when you're high, you're very high. And when you're low, you're very low. <laughs> <laughs> Lost my job uh, uh, more than once. Um, 
So, uh, uh, yes, work for NXP now, um, uh, designing chips for cars. Oh, my goodness. So you're both engineers and you're both, uh, or it rolls in with an engineering and you both work for auto- automotive. That's amazing. So, Trevor, you were telling me that um, electrical cars, and correct me if I'm wrong, have twice as many chips as uh gas uh, con- combustion engines, correct? That's correct, yes. Uh, wow. Yeah, and that's going to prove to be a problem because, as you are well aware, there's been a recent shortage of uh, cars, and half of that reason is it's not the chips for them because everybody ran out. What? Ran out of chips? Yeah, the, the <laughs> fab shut down. Because and of COVID? Were, and they weren't, yes, and they right. weren't manufacturing cars. Wow. And um, then the car manufacturer said, okay, time to start. And uh, it takes a lot longer than that. And uh, with the increased demand for the new cars, for the new technologies that are coming in, particularly the electric cars, the demand is, is really high. Mm. And uh, there's going to be years of... Uh, of struggling to get the, the silicon out there. Yeah. So when did you both know that you wanted to go into the engineering field? Was it pretty early on? Was it something in high school or college? I think for myself, once I began work and I got into Subaru and I saw just the development of the car and how all the equipment and everything worked, that kind of sparked an interest for me. And that began my uh, path down the engineering um you know, course and going to school and learning and just uh, being able then to come back and actually put it into really application to what you do every day. Mm. Trevor, what about you? When did you know? Um, I loved electricity as a kid. I took apart motors and anything I could take apart to discover how it worked. And, uh, I was very good at fixing things, so I thought my career would be fixing things. Like a mechanic? Uh, yeah, or, electri- uh, yeah, electrical, electronic yeah. stuff. Uh, and uh, so uh, my mother told me, yeah, I used to take everything apart until about the age of 11 when I started being able to put them back together again. Wow. Working. Wow. So I've, I've heard that... Um, that most engineers have kind of a, a particular set, uh, kind of a mindset that makes them great for engineers, or you can talk to a, a young man or woman and they're like, oh, they, they have a mind for engineering or they have something that would make them great engineers. Like, what is that? Um, actually, uh, what makes a great engineer? Somebody who has a creative spark. Really? And that could be... Uh, background in music, in art, in writing. Um, it, it doesn't have to be engineering. Um, uh, I'm a musician. Um, uh, it doesn't make me a great engineer, but <laughs> it actually is that creative spark. Interesting. James, what do you think, like in terms of that mindset of an engineer? I think, yeah, you really want to be able to be visionary. And you can see what could be. So from nothing, you can create something. And oh, that I sounds think, familiar. Yeah. Our, our creator God. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Is so, he the ultimate engineer in your guys' mind or designer? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm super privileged because 
I get to be creative as part of my job mm. and talk about um, you know, working in the creator's own image mm. <laughs> and being made in his image. And uh, uh, I'm just super fortunate to be able to actually do that and get paid to do it. Oh, wow. Did you both have uh, parents that were in engineering or any kind of similar field or is this was kind of new to your family? Not for I mean, my, uh, my father was a sea captain, mm. um, had to do some engineering as part of that, but that was not his job. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, James? Yeah, for me, it was a new uh, kind of path to take. No one in my family had been in engineering. Nope. So I was the first. Wow. So what are some of the challenges that most engineers face now um, in terms of just the day-to-day job? Um, I get to do the impossible. Um, the more, the further on you go, you don't get the easy stuff. <laughs> you give that to the junior engineers. Yeah. Um, you know, the impossible we do kind of straight away. Miracles take a little longer. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like take, sending uh, people to the moon. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I mean, I can tell you, from an engineering point of view, from my understanding it, what they did was nigh on miraculous with the technology they have mm. had then. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I've, I've heard that uh, we have more computational power in our cell phones than we do that was on, the I think, the capsules, which yeah. is quite, quite amazing. James, what about you in terms of like kind of your day-to-day to like just challenges of, of – within being in the engineering or manufacturing automotive? Yeah, I think we need to get to work every day and kind of have that can-do attitude Mm. because I think there are some kind of uh, big challenges presented to us. And so we'd be able to have that um, mentality of, okay, let's find our resources, you know, and our skills and abilities and then work together as a team and then overcome those challenges to be successful. Mm. How did the pandemic affect both of your roles? Um, For me, I, uh, I actually, my productivity went up. Really? Okay. Yeah, because I wasn't pestered by people coming around my desk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that can, that can be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But the downside of that is the junior engineers didn't get the level of mentoring Mm that they would normally have got. So that was the that was the real tough part of how do I deal with that? How do I kind of bring these junior people kind of under my wing, but remotely? Yeah. And uh, I kind of just have to literally call them up yeah. and just chat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> Whereas gosh. they may not feel comfortable on the spur doing that with me. Mm. James, did the pandemic affect your role much or your company? You know, we've been able to um, kind of push on through it. We've been, you know, working with masks and just getting it done every day. Um, You know, here or there, you've had those instances where people were not able to work. And so we just had to kind of come along and pick up where they were and keep going. Mm. So it's been good so far. We've been able to persevere through it. Yeah. Yep. So what are misconceptions people have about engineers? I would say the first one is that usually engineers don't have the mindset to work with people. 
So mindset, you know, engineers don't make good leaders because we have this logical way and we have a lack of empathy. However, I believe it can be the case where an engineer could be a lead over people and, and lead them in a way that is beneficial to the company and to the people as well. But you have to think, you know, um, kind of with the attitude that we're going to make it happen and we can do this. And even when it goes against your natural instincts, it's not, you know, something that's maybe comfortable, but you have to get comfortable doing it. Yeah. Trevor, what about you? What are misconceptions people have about engineers? Um, It's uh, a difficult one. Uh, being an engineer myself, um, they definitely don't understand what we do. Oh, normal people. Yes. Because it's, yeah, it's uh, either really high tech or high thinking or very, uh, the depth of technology that you're working with. Yeah. Or the concepts. Yeah, because a lot of the time I'm just paid to think. Mm, that's interesting. And so, yeah, so talking about having people come by your desk and interrupt your thinking, you're saying like that was one of the, 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 the benefits of, of the pandemic is you, you didn't have that, I guess, uh, interruptions from thinking. Wow. Okay. That is interesting. Um, so uh, what do you, do you foresee any ch the kind of changes to your role or to engineering due to the pandemic? Like any, has anything changed within your industry because of either chip shortages or even just work people having to work remote or just kind of the season that we just went through? Like, do you, do you see any of that affecting the, the role of engineers or the engineering industry? Certainly uh, on my side, um, if we weren't uh, overloaded with work, we are now. Mm. Um the workload goes up. There's a lot of pressure to shorten cycle times. And uh, we've, I've been tasked for finding routes, you know, to using other resources to achieve the same goals that are more available. Mm. Um, so some real challenges uh, moving ahead, uh, real opportunities for phenomenal creativity, which is good. Yeah. What about you? How, how James, how's the pandemic affected besides chips? Well, you know, our suppliers for parts, mm. you know, being a EV manufacturer, they're worldwide. So you have to be able to work with all these other different countries and what are their criteria during this pandemic. And so that's been a big challenge. So as in the chip shortage, we've seen part shortages all over. So we're having to work through that and just kind of be patient and understand that slowly but surely things will start to catch up. So as we see issues and that feedback has to go back, we have to just wait for the turnaround time is going to be longer now than anticipated. Mm. So we kind of have some delays that are unexpected um, to our schedule and to our plan, but we just have to adapt and be flexible and work around it. Yeah. How have you seen engineering changed or just evolving over the past 20, 30 years? You both have been in, in the industry for a while. Of course, uh, changes in technology. We all have these little things that you know are in our pockets that are microcomputers that do a lot. But um, what what have you seen just within the role of an engineer that has kind of changed over the past few decades? 
um, probably the most significant is moving away from paper. Really? What does that mean? Um, the As time has gone on, technology has allowed complexity of systems to increase. And now we need the very complex systems to actually process the new stuff that we're doing because it is so complex. Mm. Um, when I first started, one chip was one engineer and maybe a second person to do what I call the mask layout. So that was it, two people. Um, uh, and for a lot of time when I was self-employed, I did everything myself. Um, now, um, you know, the chips I'm doing now is probably 15 to 20 people to design a chip. Wow. They are that complex. No, and it's multidisciplinary. There's computer engineering, hardware coding, um, analog precision, um, power, because I do power, um, as well as mass design, and then a whole test development group wow. to kind of create this test program to allow us to test these things. Because one of the uh, strange phenomena about silicon is it can have a defect anywhere and they're totally random and you have to be able to detect every potential defect. Oh, goodness. So the testing is extreme and the technology to do that is kind of super leading edge. Mm. James, how have you seen it change? Yeah, with automotives, uh, automobiles, you know, as time goes on, people want more and more functionality. And when you look at the EV electrical vehicle today, it's, it's really a iPhone on wheels. They do software updates via through the airwaves and it updates all the functionality of your car. Wow. Via just a voice command to let you know that, hey, your update's coming, are you ready? And it's updated. So, yeah, it's amazing today. And I just think that as time goes, you know, we get so much more information so much quicker. Mm. It doesn't take very long now. Things are changing rapidly. And new systems and new ideas are coming out and being presented all the time. So I think today, you know, it's, it's growing as a discipline where you really have to keep up with it. Yeah. It's, it's not just we go to school and we're finished. Our, our learning never ends. It's a lifetime of learning now. Yeah. Wow. Um, so do your uh, co-colleagues or co-workers know that you guys are Christians? Yes. Yes. How yes. do they know? <laughs> um, for me, it's a case of I deliberately gossip about what I do at the weekend. <laughs> and um, th there's... I've been a manager and there's a very fine line to tread as to how we broach the subject. And for the most part, you have to rely on questions asked um, to be cr politically correct. And um, I think as Christians, we have to be all the more aware of the importance of doing the right thing. Mm-hmm of actually setting the right example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, James, what about you? 
Yeah. You know, when you go to the workplace, um, it's really the attitude we bring. And it's, it's not just our actions, but a lot of times it's more so our reactions. Mm. You know, when things uh, come your way that are, aren't the most pleasant, and how do you take those and handle it? And how do you go with it? And people notice. They see these things. And, yeah, like you mentioned, if there's events in your life that are taking place, um, let's talk about them, you know, in a way that's open. And um, so there's really uh, no doubt in their mind where you're coming from. Yeah. You know, they don't have to guess like, oh, you know, he, there's something maybe different about him, but we're not sure what it is. Well, it's Jesus. That's the difference. Yeah. And we don't have to be afraid to let him know. Mm. I mean, I, I know for me, a lot of times, uh, mon- the, all the meetings I have on Monday, the first couple of minutes, oh, hey, what'd you guys do this weekend? Oh, we had yeah. a barbecue or we went and saw this movie. And, and so I will... I had date night and I did some yard work. I went to church on Sunday and, and, um, you know, had a great barbecue or whatever. And so I, I don't linger on it too long, but I do kind of throw it in kind of the list and just to see if there's a reaction. So, but I remember someone said recently because of the pandemic, you don't have those kind of water cooler moments. And now it's kind of like, you have to be at least a little more deliberate, um, you know, over zoom or kind of the, the, the different meetings that you have uh, remotely. Um, so how do you see God's power, creativity kind of in your work? Like is you're working with electricity, you're working with manufacturing and design, um, like, you know, anything that you've seen in your career, like, oh my, it's like God exploded because you found this thing out or tested something or something within your work. Yeah. For me, um, a big turning point was I was struggling with this my my faith, which was there all the time, and high tech. How did I put the two together? Mm. And uh, I I really struggled for years and years over this. How um, now my career was blossoming. I was um, uh, becoming uh, very well known in the industry for what I was doing, and. Uh, uh, and I was given you know, tougher and tougher tasks to do as a result. And uh, uh, there came a crunch point where I was written, you know, th- what, what I was asked to do was really, really impossible. Mm. Um, and uh, physics didn't seem to bear up with it. And I started praying about it. And it occurred to me, God is a creator good. God understands all of this. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't have to worry about turning to him for that. Mm. Would uh, you be able to explain that thing that you, that impossible thing that you figured out that uh, was kind Um, of. Yeah. So uh, I was developing uh, what is now known as the multi-phase converter. Um, And it was seen by the uh, computer giants as the, only way ahead to power the next generation processors. Mm. And I created the first one. So if I'm five, how would you kind of explain that? Like in something that I would be able to understand. So it's a lot, it's a, it's a microchips or semiconductors and you're talking about power, like you plug it into the wall. No. So this is specifically to power the processor. Oh, okay. So the processor has to have a very special power source. Mm. And it's not 
like you get out of the outlet and the mains. Because it would blow uh, it up or something? Yes. Or? Oh, so wow. it has to be super low voltage, very, very high power and um, for the electronics to work super, super fast. And uh, uh, to do that breaks all the normal rules of what you want to do for power. <laughs> um, wow. And uh, so for years and years and years, um, this multi-phase solution to power the processor has been in every computer, even in your phone. Hmm. Um, wow. It has the same power solution. And... Uh, uh, yeah, the yeah they'll they'll look at my uh, my first attempt and laugh at it because <laughs> yeah it worked but it wasn't very good. <laughs> oh gosh! And uh, from that we developed ah oh, there's a better way of doing this, and now everybody does exactly the same way. But yeah. um, wow, that's that's fascinating. Um, are there particular challenges for? as a believer within kind of the engineering field that would be unique? Um, an awful lot of people I work with are uh, agnostic. Uh, no, they work in high tech and they struggle with this exactly the same thing. How can you believe when you've got all of this high tech around? But for me, the importance of thing is that... Um, I see the creator in every level of science mm. and I see his signature. And even in electronics, that is his signature on it. And uh, the, the deeper you go, the more you realize this was the same guy who developed this as well as everything else. And there's the same patterns, the same signature. And you kind of... Uh, people who look at my work will say, oh, that's Trevor's design because I have a style. Yeah. God has a style <laughs> and we just got to see it. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. That's, that's cool. James, what about you? Like any particular challenges as an, as a believer and within the engineering field? I think that, um, yeah, just looking at, you know, our natural resources that we take and we create something with and having that perspective of, okay, there is an intelligent designer. Mm. And, you know, like um, Trevor had mentioned that, yeah, a majority of our colleagues are non-believers. And so in their mind, man does it all. Mm. Man is supreme. And we yeah. are, you know, we on this earth are in control. However, you know, as a believer, we have to think differently. We realize that we are not in control and that, you know, uh, God is there in everything, even though they don't see it. But that's where we can kind of, um, by example, I think, show them sometimes that man is limited. We have limitations. We don't know all and we cannot do all. And we have to rely on someone that's greater than us to, to mm -hmm. accomplish those things. If your colleagues know that you're believers and, and they may be at, at best uh, tolerate or even antagonistic against maybe Christianity, like have you ever been felt like slighted or even um, persecuted is probably too strong of a word, but just feeling kind of uh, the hostility of a, of a colleague because of your identification and love for Jesus? As an industry, it is the industry is super tolerant 
of different beliefs because particularly semiconductor industry, we, we draw people from so many different nationalities and so many different belief systems. Mm. Um, but there have been cases where my beliefs system has very much rankled against a colleague with a colleague and uh, has chosen to be very hostile. Yeah. Mm. What about you, James? Yeah, I think that today, yeah, we're a more diverse workplace than ever before. And there is a huge, you know, push for tolerance. Everybody just tolerate everything. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes it comes down to just the idea of integrity and doing what's right in the eyes of God versus what's the best for, you know, my career or for whatever other decision I'd make. And so, yeah, sometimes there can be some hostility there. Because yeah. if, if we don't go along with a crowd, if we don't think it's right, then we're going to be kind of singled out and, and people are going to take notice. Yeah. Wow. How do you, um, how do you draw on kind of your faith and spiritual disciplines to kind of affect your day, either your work day, your energy through the day, your integrity through working with colleagues? Like tell us a little bit more about how your faith kind of shapes your day-to-day work? Well, for me is, as a Christian, I should work hard for my employer. Uh, Shirking off is not something that I, A, it's not in my personality, but B, as a Christian, we shouldn't. We should do an honest day's work for our employer. But Mm. also, I say we, it, we have a, a responsibility also to be able to separate our work from our home life to make sure that they don't encroach so we can give time for our family, time for God. Mm. Uh, and just, you know, our employers, the, the pressure is to do more and more and more. Uh, I mean, forget about the 40-hour week. I mean, it's 50, 60, 70, 80 some, uh, sometimes. And um, you know, how do we, particularly young engineers, get pressurized into do these incredible hours? Yeah. And uh, sometimes you just have to learn to pull back Yeah. say no. Mm. What about you, James? How, how does uh, kind of your faith kind of shape your day-to-day? Yeah, I think we have to have that balance. And we have to realize sometimes, and it takes usually age and experience, (laughs) where we realize that, okay, this is valuable, and maybe this is not so valuable. And so, you know, time with our family and, you know, going to church and being involved in, in the church is more valuable than work. And that next promotion or that next pay raise. Mm-hmm. So we have to think, you know, consciously, okay, what am I willing to give of myself and sacrifice to the company? And then what sacrifice am I going to make for my family? Mm. So we have to balance that out. And I think it takes age though and time because when we're younger, we're just like ready to go, just work, work, work. And then it takes a while where we just all of a sudden one day it's like the light comes on. It's like, hey, is this really what I should be doing or is there a better way? Is this really what God's will is for my life? Mm -hmm. 
you know, should we look and really seek after him and understand mm. what his ultimate plan would be? Well, you, yeah. you both landed on something that's interesting because there's been a lot of talk about um, four-day work weeks or six-hour work days. Um, there's been this amazing experiment called remote work now because of, of COVID. Um, and, and then you talked a little bit about balance, um, you know, and there's also this generational view. So older generations, you know, there isn't this work-life balance. Like this is work. And then when you're done with work, then you may have some other things and you have your wife and your kids or your spouse. Um, but then, uh, and so there's this, I, there's an easy idea of, uh, or there, there's a comfortable being working 50, 60 hours. Younger generations are now having this conversation like, I need this more work-life balance, but that work looks more like 35 or 40 hours a week. And um, so as believers, when we think about balance and relationships, given a full day's of work, like, you know, how, what, what are some of the challenges you're seeing within your roles? Um, if you're managing people or just your colleagues, like what does a full day of work look like? And how do you think that might be changing uh, in the years to come? Or do you, it, it's not changing? Um, it's a continuous challenge. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, I'm paid to think. Um, but so, you think all the time. So are you, so, are so you, are exactly, you you're on the clock 24-7? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I will come up with ideas. I will wake up and think, oh, that's how I do it. And it's part of this learning thing that we we never stop learning. And God has created our brains in this phenomenal way now, uh, that um, people who are doing artificial learning are discovering, hey, there's no um, easy way to pigeonhole learning. And, uh, and what we do, how we learn... And what I do is all about learning. Mm. Every new design I do is a new learning experience. And um, coming up with the ideas, the solutions and whatnot, it's, it's not cut and dried. Yeah. So you're work, you feel like you're kind of working all the time. Yeah. But then you're, there is a kind of a sense of that you're putting in a eight, nine, ten hour day, just depending on kind of the ebb and flow. But yeah. But so do, do you have younger generation that that is starting to challenge or think through, like, what does that workday look like in terms of hours? No, my biggest problem is uh, no, they, they go with the management pressure. We need to do more hours. You need to get more done. Mm. And the only way to do it is uh, you, you, we're at the limit of what we can do with the machines, with the computing we have and I mean I have a thousand processors um, at my disposable daily yeah and to get more done and sometimes that's just not enough wow and um, <laughs> uh, we kind of uh, how to make the best use of our time and whatnot and so for young people so it there's a real, they haven't learned the discipline of being able to say no. Say no to what? To a manager pressure. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. To do the extra hours. Mm. And we don't get paid by the hour. None of us get paid by the hour. 
<laughs> you get a salary. Unless you're flipping burgers. Yeah. <laughs> James, what about you? I mean, have you had that conversation? Are you currently having conversations within your organization? Like, what does a work day look like? What does the work week look like? Um, younger generation, older generation, is there, there's this turf war between you should be doing 50, 60 hours and the younger generation say, no, we want to do 40 and we want to do it in our pajamas or <laughs> whatever. Yeah, the younger generation today, what's amazing is because they've grown up with the technology since they were very young, they are able to multitask and do many things and have these skills that, sad to say, us older generation, <laughs> we don't have. So what would take us maybe 50 hours to complete, a lot of times this younger generation could knock it out in 30 hours. So it's a different mindset. Mm. They are quick to learn. And if it's kind of in that technology realm, they can run with it. So a lot of times we see where it, it, it would appear that they're not working very hard, but yet they are. They're very productive Wow. because okay. they can do it in a way that makes it look easy. Where us old timers come along and we're like, well, that, there's no paper and pencil. How are they doing this? And how can they do it so well when they're listening to music and doing all this other stuff mm -hmm. at the same time? So it is, it's, it's a challenge to understand how they think and what their life balance looks like sometimes, because it is very new to what we mm. have been used to. You know, we're, we're used to going in and doing that 40 hours and then Saturday or Sunday if necessary. And they're like, no, my, my outside of work is more important than the inside of work sometimes. So if I can come up with a workaround to get the same thing done quicker and have that outside time extended, I'll do it. Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to my, my father-in-law recently about just this idea of, of a shorter work week or you know, something like that. And he's like, oh, Jeffrey, France tried this, I think, back in the 70s. And what they found out is people, yes, had a shorter work week, but they went out and found another job to do when they weren't <laughs> working. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And because it comes back to kind of this idea that God has designed us to work. We live, we do live in a broken world. So bro work is broken. Um, but there is a sense that way we, we have a lot of, we gain a lot of dignity and joy um, and means to provide for families and provide for ourselves through our talents. So as engineers and thinking that how God created you, like what, what are the things of your work that just get you excited where you get to praise the Lord? Like I get to do this today or I get to work with this team or I get to think or be creative or like, what are those times when you've, or do you have examples you can think of like, Lord, I love you and I praise you because I get to do this thing. Yeah. For, for me, uh, no, the technologists are coming up with better, smaller, faster processes or whatnot. And, uh, uh, and we call them technology nodes. Mm. And every time uh, I get to use the new technology node. It's kind of, okay, what fun can I have today? What can I do this time that I couldn't do last time? And um, it's great because we get a new technology node and there's new solutions. So, hey, we get to write new patents and whatnot. So everybody thinks I'm super brilliant and I'm not. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, James? Anything that you, you do that gives you praise to the Lord? Yeah, I think every day we're coming in, we're getting new people, and we're on a cutting-edge, you know, technology of this, uh, 
EV world that's kind of just barely the tip of the iceberg of where we're mm-hmm. going to go with it. And when you see new people coming in and they get excited about it and we're able to teach them and show them and, you know, use that lifelong experience and pass it along to them, that's exciting. That's mm-hmm. something to get up every day and praise the Lord about. Oh, that's awesome. So imagine somebody maybe uh, a few years removed from college um, or trade school, and they're kind of in their kind of the first couple of years of their uh, career. Like what advice would you give them in terms of either things that you've learned, things that you've, um, you've passed along to other kind of employees or colleagues um, in terms of just being a, a faithful employee to your employer? For me, I would say it is <clears throat> practice. Practice. Yeah. Um, it's all about becoming an expert in your field. Mm. And sometimes you get the opportunity to practice that in your own time. Um, I practiced design. I, in, at home, I had my lab and I would build stuff just to build it, to get the experience of doing it and learning to solve the problems. And I developed an expertise in design, which then became valuable to my employer. And it is too easy to kind of expect your employer to spoon feed you when what they really want is for you to take the initiative, learn yourself, and take the court, find the courses, take the courses, no, uh, learn it so that you're ready for the next development. Mm. Wow, that's valuable. So always learning, always practicing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been doing chip design for over thirty years, and I'm still learning. That's cool. That's cool. James, what about you? What, uh, yeah, what, yeah, what, what advice would you give to that kind of new employee? You, you, you obviously are seeing lots of new employees come in over at Lucid. Yes. So. We always just tell them, you know, my advice would be to just take it slow and steady. You know, we want to just pace ourselves. This is a career and it's going to be a long career. And manufacturing is not easy. Mm. It is a tough industry to be in. And a lot of people can get burned out. And then they just end up leaving and they go to a completely different field. So what you want to do is just pace yourself. You want to take those moments of, you know, success and victory and and relish in them because they're few and far between because there's a lot of hard work in between those points. So you just work, do what you can for your employer, you know, give it your best. You know, um, I've always had the mentality is I'm working for the Lord first and I'm working for the employer second. So if God's watching me, he's going to be pleased with what I'm doing. And I just want to have that mindset. So you just pace yourself, do the best you can be, you know, be the best you can be, you know, be that model and example for others to follow mm. always. Yeah. I know some, some writers have been talking about kind of this difference um, or they categorize um, someone's talents into soft skills and hard skills. So hard skills may be your competency, your education, your experience, so, so if in the field of engineering, you being able to complete the tasks that your boss gives you in terms of designing or creating or coming up with a solution, then there's the soft skills, which are empathy or communication or teamwork, um, the ability to communicate effectively. Um, 
both are equally important. Um, so uh, Trevor and, and both and James, you both talked about kind of um, practicing or, or just kind of um, you have a long career, you know, um, but what, what, what advice would you give in terms of the hard skills and the, and the soft skills? Engineers are notoriously bad at the soft skills. Oh no. <laughs> um, They're people, people, right? They, they just love to just talk and communicate. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to do that when you can Could you be thinking, thinking yeah. and, and being creative? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. To the point that, no, um, no, it's very easy for us to be, no, we have the nerd mentality. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, maybe described as socially inept. And uh, yeah, because we get so engrossed in what we do that um, it can easily be misinterpreted. And uh, yeah, and being able to pass our knowledge on I mean, it is super important. And a lesson I learned fairly early on uh, as a, a young Christian in my career, and uh, I was taken on by uh, a Christian HR guy who saw that I had potential, but I wasn't going about it the right way. Mm. And he reminded me about the importance of what's our legacy. The products we design are not our legacy. It's the people we influence, we train. And I was, I did not take falls gladly. Mm-hmm. Now, all these younger people around me, they were wastes of space. And for me to then have to say, okay, I've got to bring them up to where I am mm. and mentor wow. these people to see. A, their mistakes, and B, how can they make themselves better? Mm. How can they improve what they do? Knowing only too well how fallible I am, and maybe they'll see some of the mistakes I'm doing. And that that was a seed change fairly early on in my career. And it's tough sometimes to to keep that going, to to bring, bring on young engineers and I've got some real successes that are people who are uh, super successful now and uh, say, yeah, I, I trained him. <laughs> <laughs> now, but was it, was it more the mentoring in, or uh, I guess training around the hard skills or their soft skills? I'm not good at the soft skills, so it's the hard skills. <laughs> <laughs> the hard skills. <laughs> James, what about you in terms of kind of mentoring and shepherding kind of uh, employees around the hard skills and the soft skills? Yeah, we look at it like the mindset and the skill set. Mm. So the ultimate goal is we could bring those two together and kind of meet in the middle. Oh, that's good. So we is have, that from Lucid or something you learned from? Just something Subaru. we've learned from, you know, just in um, whenever we're teaching and training people, mm. we want to be able to do this. So we use those experience and the knowledge and their training and their education. But then also we want to look at, you know, all those soft skills of like being patient mm. and having the empathy. And um, having a passion for what you do and how do we transmit that passion to other people. So whenever we're looking, you know, in myself, I always want to put myself in their shoes, remember where I was and where I began and then said, okay, you know, it would have been great to have someone sometimes come along beside you, but that wasn't always the case. 
And sometimes you had to learn on your own, but having someone now available, yeah, what can we pass on to them? Mm. To, to like uh, Trevor said, is the legacy. You know, what are we going to be remembered for later? Because we were the, the greatest and the smartest engineer in the department or because we could communicate with people and, and help them understand where we're trying to get to, what our ultimate goals are. Mm. So, so um, you both have been in the career for more than 30 years, so I'm sure there's been a, a, a low point. Some point that was difficult, whether you uh, lost a, a position, uh, got laid off, or something happened within, within your department. Um, you know, maybe briefly describe that a little bit and then just how God used it to either shape you or to grow you. Yeah, um, as I mentioned, the semiconductor industry is very cyclical. And um, so the, most of those times I seemed to ride out okay, and then all of a sudden I got hit. Like, like laid off? Laid off, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was really hard. Mm. And uh, one of the things I'd never wanted to do was be self-employed. Uh, I had so many opportunities to start my own company. I said, no, 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 I didn't want to do that. And uh, I just recently moved my family, didn't want to do that again. Uh, they just settled down in a new city and whatnot. And um, uh, so uh, with the encouragement of my old boss, who had to be the one who let me go, uh, um, I basically said, look, if you want to start up on your own, I'll help finance you. Now, I didn't need to take his uh, finance, um, which, looking back, was not such a good idea, but uh, I did manage to make a go at it on my own for a, a good few years. Um, uh, and I discovered I'm not that good at it. <laughs> I, I, I did some good money and whatnot, but that's not... A, it's super hard on the family. Mm. And uh, uh, that... Being self-employed, you're you're not your own boss. You're everybody else's slave. Mm. So God gave you that opportunity to kind of see it and go, okay, yeah, that's yeah, that's it, not the path. It basically, for me. well, a it enabled me to provide a, a stable environment for my family for a number of years, mm. but also showed me that uh, what I wasn't so good at, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah kind of directed me, was able to show how I could be redirected and whatnot and be malleable. Yeah. Oh, wow. James, what about you? Kind of a low point where God had kind of shown you and brought you through it and something that, that he taught you. Um, with Subaru, originally they were Subaru with Suzu. So there were two companies partnered. So in 2003, Suzu left and they departed from the passenger car market. So our facility was shared by both companies. So at that point, they pulled out. And because we basically had duplicate positions for Subaru and for Isuzu, uh, our department was um, lost like 50% of its personnel overnight. One day they came in and just cleaned house. Mm. And so, you know, that was kind of uh, nerve-wracking because you were just at your desk that day waiting if they were going to come to yours and say, this is it for you. And um, I was able to make it through that. However, because of that lack of personnel, 
there became some great challenges for us because we had to carry on and we had to see, okay, where is this going to lead us? Will Subaru even survive on its own? Mm. It was a very small company and now it had the overhead of, you know, all the manufacturing people and the facility. And so uh, myself, you know, we had really been overtasked with a lot of extra work and um, a lot of challenges ahead of us to how to manage and navigate through that and what would our future look like. So really in those times, um, just really relying on God and understanding, you know, you know, his plan is I'm going with it and whatever he has in store, we're going to get through it. Mm-hmm. And um, really, you know, his strength helped me and to really persevere and mm-hmm. to go forward and to be able to do a lot of things I'd never done before. Wow. And so that was really um, afterwards, you know, you look back and you say, well, that was an amazing time because you could see God really there with you, you know, really helping you to get through it. So that was good. Praise God. Well, it's time for some fun, uh, rapid fire questions. Um, if you had a magic wand, what would you fix about your work? If you had a magic wand, bling, just like wave it over this thing about your work, what would it, what would it do? Make simultaneous simulations instant. Okay, you're gonna have to explain that. <laughs> uh, we we simulate everything in computers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't build silicon overnight. It takes months and months and months to build a chip or a million chips. Um, so we simulate everything on a computer, and uh, as things got more and more complex, computing just hasn't kept up. So, um, so. It can take days for some simulations to run. Wow. So having that done in an instant. (laughs) Okay, there you go. What about you, James? Yeah, I think like on the research design of things, you know, if you had that magic wand where you could just make that perfect car the first time, just wave it and there it is, (laughs) that would be great. Then we could use that as the benchmark to move (laughs) forward. (laughs) Nice. Next question. If God blessed you with $10 million... Um, would you do some other work or the same kind of work? So you don't have to worry about a full-time paycheck, but God bless you with $10 million. Would you do something different or would you do the same type of work? I get to enjoy what I do. Why would I change it? (laughs) There you go. I'd probably give it away. (laughs) Give it away? There. Yeah. What about you, James? Would you do something different or same thing? You know, I think I would take it and um, use it to be able to go into the mission field. Oh. And then whatever engineering and skills I had and use it and put it to good work in other places that might need it. Great. Yep. Great. What was your first job? So probably, I don't know if you were 13, 15, 16, what was your very first job? Cleaning uh, a bakery. Cleaning a bakery. Wow. Did they, did they ever give you like extras? Oh Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that was the that was the perk that kept me. That was me. the perk. <laughs> yes, that's great. Cleaning a bakery. What about you, James? Uh, paper boy. Paper boy. Okay, yep. great. Yep, I slung a few papers in my my day. Um, next question: Would you rather be more analytical or creative? Would you rather be more analytical or creative? I'm creative, so analytical would be good. Okay, great. <laughs> James? I think I'd rather be more creative because I think I'm more analytical. So, yeah, that more creativity, that balance of those two and the mix would be great. Yeah. 
All right, final question. What is the number one quality or value a, a person can bring to their work? What is the number one quality or value a person can bring to any type of work? A willingness to learn. Mm. That's awesome. What about you, James? Yeah, I think integrity. Integrity. To do the right thing every time, even mm. when no one's watching. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, thank you both. Um, thank you so much for listening. And But um, but James and Trevor, thank you for being um, just faithful workers, uh, faithful to Christ in, in your jobs, faithful to Redemption Gateway. Um, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for sharing. Um, but um, for those of you listening, we love you. We hope this has been encouraging. And in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you.